And now, a bit of romance. Two girls on a quest to find which rom-com is the best. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Hello and welcome to P.S. I love rom-coms, the podcast about meet cutes, spontaneous dance routines, and BFFs with great one-liners. I'm Allie. And I'm Mia. Yes, I Love Rom-Coms is a podcast where Allie and I, rom-com experts, try to figure out which rom-com is the best rom-com of all time. And joining us today is Jimmy Buffett fan and host of the popular Parrothead podcast. He's a crusty cowboy with a soft side. He's the wild and rugged mountain man with the tameable heart. He's a man who looks good on a horse. Everybody give a woot woot for Patrick, Patrick McDonough. Oh my God. Oh my God. That was the best intro I've ever received. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being on the pod. Uh, Oh my gosh, this is the best. Looks good on a horse. Honestly, I'm so nervous about my posture all the time. I feel like I hunch a little bit. And so- Same. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. So I feel like being on a horse, actually, um, I remember trying to keep my posture up on that horse. So if you saw the pics, it's because I was working on it. You know, you knew you're being photographed. You're like, I have to show that I have better posture. Yeah, well, you know you're being, because for my birthday, I went on a horse. I did like a, oh. my my uh, 29th birthday, me and uh, 15 friends went on a uh, an hour-long horseback ride. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and How was, was that? Was that a fun birthday or a It was the best birthday I've ever received. Scary. No, oh, good. it was great. It was so great because everyone has their own stories from being on a horse. Everyone has their relationships. <laughs> my friend Caroline had the loudest, largest Maybe sickest horse. It kept coughing. It kept coughing. No. And she like always had something to say, but she was kind of silent most of the trip because her horse was so insane. Oh my god! Oh I my felt god. sorry. She was and scared the... it was going to die underneath her. Yeah, exactly. And the horse's name was Poseidon. Did I mention that? Oh wow! <laughs> Poseidon was definitely had some sort of sickness. That's incredible, and that also sounds very rom commy setting wise. Yeah, something that oh, you yeah, think would like be romantic. <laughs> I will say, <laughs> I will say that horseback rides seem romantic, but I think in actuality they're stressful. And um, I don't know. Whenever I'm on a horse, maybe it's because I was bucked off a horse when <gasps> I was five, oh, and no. I yeah yeah that I find horses um, terrifying and not romantic. They they are gross. I mean, they're they're going to the bathroom all the time. They're also we found out scared of everything. So they're like basically they said they're like giant cats, and so they're like, uh oh, oh this horse is gonna stare at this branch. Like all the horses we passed, a branch. Like they're all gonna focus on this branch because this branch wasn't here when we came up last time. So they're all freaking out about this one branch. That's a lot to um, worry about for for a horse. This feels like a good way to transition into our first segment, Patrick, which uh, we like to start off each episode with a little segment called Which Rom-Com Heroine Are You Channeling? Where we equate the experiences we've had this week with a famous rom-com hero or heroine. Um, So, Allie, who are you channeling this week? Well, I've been on the dating apps recently, um, you know, spending a lot of time on them because... I think I have this kind of fear that I'm going to die alone in my apartment and then my body's going to like rot 
and then my cat's gonna eat my eyeballs. And um, I, uh, so I've been on the dating apps to try to great, great. find somebody. What's to weird is that of... that's your profile, right? <laughs> yeah, that's my profile bio. <laughs> But um, actually, my profile bio, which I think is actually a really good bio because a lot of I get I do pretty well with the matches, not to brag. Um, but my my bio is takes direction well. <laughs> oh, my God. No. no, no <laughs> yes. Yes. It's so good. Guys, it's no. so good because it's vague and a little bit sexual. No, it is. Yeah. Thing. It's you're, No. Allie, I think you're going to get into some weird BDSM uh, really. Yeah, it's shit. giving off massive sub vibes. <laughs> I think that it's a playful way to hint that I'm an actress. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing that I've always known, but what is becoming just demonstrably clear on this podcast is that when it comes to dating, Allie is bold. She yes. comes on strong. She comes, she goes confidently and she takes a risk. And this is, I think, a classic Allie risk that I imagine will pay off dividends. It's very good. And I, I want to be clear. I also said weird BDSM. I don't think, I don't want to kink shame. I'm not saying BDSM is weird, but the specific relationship you will get into will be weird. <laughs> Yeah, just just you specifically. <laughs> yes, yes, not in general. Well, oh. the, this bio has been getting me a lot of matches, which um <laughs> is great. Um, which I like. Can um, I ask? Do people come into you and they do they like text you like um like sit down, tell me like tell me this, like um, like <laughs> I get a any- lot of I get a lot of like. Um, here's a direction for you. Give me your number. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah. Oh. Um, and uh, I love it. <laughs> uh, no, it's not bad. That's not bad. You could use one punch up, but it's not bad. It <laughs> it's not horrible. Yeah. Uh, this one person I, I matched with, um, we've been getting along really well. We've been texting a lot. And, um, he... Uh, I, I texted him. I was like, Hey, um, after this pandemic is over, uh, if you're free, like we should go on a date sometime. Um, (laughs) um, and he hasn't texted me back. Um, not a huge deal. Um, (laughs) not a huge deal. It's not a huge deal, but I am (laughs) checking my phone every two minutes. Um, and, uh, it was getting really bad. So I just like put my phone um, in my hamper, so I wouldn't look at it all the time. Um, but then I was like, if it's in my hamper, I'll forget that it's there, and I'll just like be productive today. But instead, I like <laughs> threw all of my clothes out of the hamper, being like, "Where's my phone? Where's my phone?" And um, <laughs> um, and yeah, he uh, has not he has not texted me back. But I'm definitely channeling Jennifer Goodwin right now in the rom com. He's just not that into you. Um, okay. because um, always looking at my phone. Because <laughs> she got dumped. Is she right? <laughs> Doesn't she get she, dumped? Uh, <laughs> well, well, to get dumped, you have to be in a relationship. It's more like um, okay. <laughs> he just has like kind of like desperate girl vibes. Um, oh, okay. and no one texts her back ever. So that's that's who I'm channeling. Mia, who who are you channeling this week? Oh wow. Well, um, as you know, you know things are. Things are constantly changing for me in the core. So this week, oh, no. this week I am—I uh, don't know if anyone else is experiencing this, but I would—I I feel like I'm experiencing 
what what I would what I call reverting to my youth. Where, mm, um, regression oh, is what we call that. Regression. <laughs> There's yeah. a psychological term for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there also is a fun, fancy, free term which you use, but yeah. No, I, I think, I think I'll take, I'll take regression. I'll, I definitely feel this is, this is the most consecutive evenings I've spent at home uh, since I was maybe in high school. So um, I'm in the same boat actually because I'm out in Colorado right now. Yeah. Oh, you're actually, so you're, you're, you're actually with. Are you with your fam? Yes, I am. I'm with my parents. Yeah. Oh, this so yeah. This is so my you, you, tenth day with my parents. Yeah, and I was oh just saying, God. I haven't been around my parents as much since I was 18 years old. Yeah. Wow. Yes. It is crazy, and I'm um I'm doing like a lot of FaceTiming my parents, where we'll like watch Bond movies together or have dinner together. But because because that's yeah, it's putting me in this place, and I'm like eating all the snacks of my youth, like before I came here into where I currently am in a blanket fort for sound reasons. <laughs> I'm in pajamas. I'm in a blanket fort and I ate salt vinegar chips and diet Coke before I came in. So, um, was that yeah, lunch? I'm really, yeah, that was lunch. <laughs> I had ice cream for lunch today. Oh, very cool. Oh, I'm so happy that this is not just me, but so I, I definitely feel that I am channeling Jennifer Gardner's uh, leading role in 13 going on 30 yes where she's an adult lady she's got adult clothes but she's she's eating her razzles she's she wants to have sleepovers and she wants to just like be with her parents all the time patrick who are you channeling this oh, week i was just thinking about that i was trying to figure out exactly who i'm channeling and maybe I can describe where I'm at and you can pick the rom-com person for me because I'm, Ooh, I'm failing to yeah. find a trope. Does that work? Yes. That's great. We love that. That's, okay. We love that. My mic closer here. Okay. So, okay. So I think I'm trying to figure out somebody who may be like, uh, this will probably be someone at the beginning of a rom-com because the first person that I imagined was like, which rom-com trope am I channeling is uh, Cheryl Strayed and Wild, <laughs> but that's not a rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, amazing uh be, like somebody who's kind of like uh just forgotten to think about romance in a very long time and is just kind of out in the mountains just doing whatever and then thinking like oh it would be nice not to die alone um so what's what movie is that in <laughs> there's that queen latifah movie where where she finds out she's gonna die and she goes on a trip by herself last holiday oh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The last holiday. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm channeling Queen Latifah in Last Holiday. Yes, you're terminally <laughs> ill. Maybe, maybe I'm spitballing here. Ellie Sandy. Uh, Jack Nicholson, Morgan Freeman, and Bucket List. No, that's not a rom com. <laughs> I just that's a funny com. I just mean she's okay. not thinking about love. You know, she's not thinking about love, but love finds her. Yes. Um, Is there like a camping trip kind of rom com? I was gonna say Cold Mountain, but that's not really a rom com. <laughs> these are the bleakest. Why are all of these involving either really old people or people from a hundred and fifty years oh ago? Oh my god. <laughs> no, we're gonna we're gonna find a better one. Okay, tell You're me. You're definitely Nicole Kidman from Cold Mountain. <laughs> oh no, waiting for my Husband? No, that's Renee yeah. Zellweger. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Tell tell us a little more. Tell us. I want to. I want to really zero in on this. Okay. So you know, uh, well, I was thinking about my dating profiles, Allie. Something I put on my yeah. uh, apps. I don't really get involved with them anymore. Uh, I am blocked from Tinder, but we can get into that a little bit later as to why I connect. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, <laughs> with with no. this movie we're talking about today. 
Um, yeah. But the, the thing I use on my profiles is uh, a lot of people put their height and weight, I've been noticing. Yeah. So I put that I'm 8'11", 90 pounds. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so you, you're just like a wisp of a man. A wisp. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, it's perfect. You guys, I, I think I figured it out. And it doesn't fit perfectly, but I do think oh. you might be channeling. All right, she's a woman who left town thinking about anything other than love and it is Cameron Diaz in the holiday. Oh yes. Oh. All right. Yes. Oh. Yes. I like yeah. that. Yes, she's out of town. She's in like a cottage. You're, you're in the mountains with yes. family. Yeah. Uh, you know what else I could Yes, that's perfect. And I think another one that uh, that made me think of like the holiday made me think of this is Reese yeah. Witherspoon in Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, that's it. You're home. Oh, yeah. I think that's you're it. going home. Because I'm Sweet going home. Sweet home, Colorado. Patrick, you have to you have to reunite with like a high school sweetheart. Like the uh, one that that got away. I know. That's, well, that's the next step in your rom-com. That's the next step. I need to find that person. Who's it going to be? Yeah. You know what I will say? I mean, is anybody getting crazy quarantine reach outs? That's my question to you guys. Have you guys talked about this yet? Oh, no, we haven't. Oh, but that's a, that's a no. great cue. You know, I, there is just somebody that has been kind of reaching out to me recently, um, very vaguely, like a couple Instagram messages, but I haven't talked to this person. I literally grew up with this person. I've known her since she was in <gasps> first, since we were in first grade. And I vividly remember like having a very much elementary school crush on her. Her name is <gasps> Dinah. I'll say it. I won't say her last name. She definitely doesn't listen to my podcast. So I think it's fine. <laughs> um, uh, but I remember vividly that in third grade, she came over for a, a friend, like a play date that her mom set up with my mom, which I found out later she was forced to go over to. I think she said no. it to somebody else. But she came over and I remember I was like, I want to do something funny for when she comes over. So when she came over, well, so so basically I put a lot of dirt in my shoe. Um, <laughs> and when she came over, she came in and I said, hold on. We were like playing outside in the woods behind my house. And I was like, hold on. I think I have something in my shoe. And I took my shoe off and I poured out a ton of dirt. <laughs> that <was the> joke. <laughs> that's really funny for a kid. <laughs> well, Which that's was like, a good prop how did, bit. How did that get in there? Yeah, like it was like truly crazy. I saw her like four or five years ago at a Del Close Marathon, an improv festival in New York. She was living in New York and she came to one of my shows. And I and we had a drink after and she remember I remember her saying something to me that was like, um, it was like I, I just I remember the quality of it, but I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was just like, wow, Patrick McDonald. Like it was something like that. Like she said, <gasps> oh, my name God. Me. oh my God. Like you're iconic to her. Yeah. And oh it's like, God. wow, who'd have thought? Like, like looking at me, like, who did you become? Like, wow. <gasps> oh my God. And then first, first you have to up. you have to reach back. You have to reach back out to her. What am I gonna say? She's in New York. Oh, oh no! Does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> Zoomer. 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 Zoom her now. I'm me running through my hallway to another computer. <laughs> That's the airport case. The Zoom closes say, in eight minutes. Quick, in the climax, back, Patrick. In the climax of this movie, when you two are in the Colorado mountains and you think all is lost, she shows up and she's you guys are having an argument and she goes, wait a second. I think there's something in my shoe. <gasps> and, and it's a ring and she proposes to me <laughs> yes that's it that's it guys we gotta write this rom com oh, it's this too is good it. it's really Did. good alright you can all take right. it 
speaking of wild rom-coms, shall we get into <laughs> the rom-com of choice today? Oh, yes. please. <laughs> yes, it is the 1987 cult favorite Mannequin. Uh, uh, excuse me, Academy Award nominated Mannequin. How dare you? <laughs> that's deceiving. That's deceiving. We'll get to this deceiving. And we'll, we'll get in later to why it's deceiving. But right now, a little synopsis. In this rom-com, Jonathan Switcher, played by Andrew McCarthy, an mm. unemployed artist, finds a job as an assistant window dresser for a department store. When Jonathan happens upon a beautiful mannequin he previously designed, she springs to life and introduces herself as Emmy, played by Kim Cantrell, and uh, uh, says that she has been under an Egyptian spell. Despite interference from the store's devious manager, played by James Spader, Jonathan and his mannequin fall in love while creating eye-catching window displays to keep the struggling store in business. Uh, this, this film is directed and written by Michael Gottlieb and co-written by Edward Rugoff. Mannequin was based off of an experience that the director Michael Gottlieb had where he walked past a department store Bergdorf's and thought he saw a mannequin in the store window move. <laughs> that was the whole, that was the inspiration. <laughs> yes. yes. I saw a mannequin move, which I think if you've seen the film makes perfect sense. Yes, I know exactly the moment he's referencing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's, that's it. So the we had uh, Jonathan Swiffer as our male love lead, uh, played by Andrew McCarthy of Pretty in Pink fame, and Emmy Hesire, uh, the Egyptian princess who somehow has turned into a mannequin in the 80s, played by Kim Cattrall. <laughs> but guys, how'd you feel? How'd you feel about our love interests in this movie? I'll, I'll start off by saying that uh, I I'm a pretty pretty big Andrew McCarthy fan. So I, those baby blue eyes of his are so, so twinkly. He was in Pretty in Pink. He was at Weekends and Bernie's. He's like an 80s rom-com star. Oh, he was in St. Elmo's Fire. He's so cute. And in my eyes, he really can do no wrong. Um, <laughs> and so, wow. yeah, he's like, I would say one of my top five favorite, um, romantic leads i don't know i think it's his eyes but uh i thought he was cute and playful in this and uh yeah the movie has you know some flaws but um and it's problematic but um you know what's not problematic um those baby blue eyes so that's that's all i'll say um i uh this is crazy, but I did not know who Andrew McCarthy was, and I don't know if I've ever seen any of the other things he's been in. <gasps> and seeing him just in this, I was like, this guy's so weird. <laughs> this guy, I was like, I was like, this must have been the only movie he did. And then I was like, no, he's in all these other iconic movies. Cause I was like, he makes me uncomfortable. He doesn't seem to be able to like be still in a single shot. Like he's very he just looked really creeped out of his own skin for the whole movie yeah. that I was like, this guy is so strange. Well, and his character was so crazy that I, yeah. Cause he's, he's pretty, I, I think I've only ever seen him in pretty in pink, but I think he's pretty lovely in that movie. If maybe a little dickish, I don't quite, I don't quite remember, but I think I remember being like, Oh, this guy. Um, but he's really cute and like lovable, but the, the character is so crazy. He's like an, a, a, an aspiring sculptor 
who can't hold a job and is is just like so nutty and well I'll you know I'll say it two dimensional we'll say <laughs> okay oh, wow <laughs> wow <laughs> Mia wow it's just like he just keeps it's one of those movies where someone just keeps having to be like I'm a sculptor I I just want to make beautiful things because it's not clear based on their behavior that that's happening so they just have to keep repeating right. it. And he sculpts um, stuff. He sculpts some stuff. Well, I did like his arc because he was he was an artist, but he wasn't, you know, he cared too much about art to be good at anything, which oh. uh, is fine, I guess. But then he, you know, as an artist, he finally found the place where he could be a good artist, which is this window dressing place. Uh, <laughs> so that was nice. Yes, I agree. Good, good character arc. But I want to <laughs> say that I cannot say the same uh, for Emmy Hassere, uh played by Kim Cattrall. Yeah. <laughs> I, her character arc is, I'll, I'll say it, maybe one of the craziest I've seen in any rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> How so? Um, just, uh, the movie starts with this insane scene where Kim Cattrall, white lady with blonde hair, is an Egyptian princess and then her mother, who's like, does it? Who's like hiding in a car- sarcophagus? Yeah, she's hiding in a tomb. Yeah, like where? Yeah, yeah. yeah she, it must have been an unused tomb. An unused tomb because she doesn't want to marry. She doesn't want an arranged marriage, not because, like, only because he's a he sells dung. So he's Camel like, dung, yeah, yeah. So it's like very shallow. <laughs> and then she. But can I to point God. this out though? Can I just bring something up about that scene, which was so fascinating to me? That was clearly a Jewish mother. Like it was like a, it was like yes. a New York Jewish mother talking to their daughter. And then I was like, she's this like, is weird. the Pharaoh has hemorrhoids. <laughs> yes, I can't deal with this today, Emmy Hasseray. The Pharaoh has hemorrhoids. It was like was really over the so top. But crazy. then it made me think about like, well, you know, like that's really weird that they just had these like this like Jewish stereotype in Egypt. And then I was like, wait. Egypt was full of Jewish people, and we never hear their story. Okay, remember Moses? <laughs> and, <laughs> and we never see the life of, of Jewish people in Egypt. And so I thought for a second, nice representation. <laughs> oh my God. Which I could say at the beginning of the film, sure, you might, you might trust them to provide good representation. But Correct. then that, that, that goes downhill real fast. Correct. Correct. But, uh, but yes, so after this scene, right, which we're, you know, at this point, we're not sure. Could be, could be, could, could be okay, could not be. Uh, Emmy prays to God to save her from the arranged marriage. And so f- she basically gets to leave the tomb and then goes away and then reemerges eventually as a mannequin in 1980. In Philadelphia. In Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Philadelphia. <laughs> Here's what I will, I'm just going to pop in for a second. Okay. Um, as someone who um, <laughs> kind of liked this film a lot, um, I will say. <laughs> I, I loved I watching this film. No, I understand it, it. I totally get it. What what I do, what I appreciate about this film is, you know, there's a it's problematic. Yes. Very problematic. But I like its silly tone that it kind of leans into from the opening scene. Like the first thing we see is an Egyptian tomb and the Chiron, you know, mm-hmm. uh Egypt a long, long time ago, sometime before lunch, you know. <laughs> Yes. Uh, we know it's going to be silly. The Pharaoh has hemorrhoids. 
Um, and uh, uh, and then we jump straight into like a cartoon montage of kind of like where Emmy's been because Emmy doesn't go straight to the 80s. She like kind of like hops around oh, and spends time with Michelangelo. Montage, yeah. Yeah. And I did really like that cartoon montage. I will say that. That was my favorite part. That was maybe my favorite part of the movie. This is the cartoon. I I just want to speak to the idea of like watching a movie that is problematic. Because I think nobody's arguing that this movie is problematic. But I think we can get to a point in society. This is my soapbox for a minute. Where we all know it's problematic. And I think we can have a blast watching something that's problematic. Because it's not in danger of uh, somebody finding it and anyone agreeing with this. Like, there's no way that it's this isn't being sent to people in schools being like, this is the way you should treat, uh, you know, homosexuals. <laughs> like, this is not this is not any sort of uh, this is not any sort of thing that people still love. So I think if something's problematic, you can still love it, even though it's trash. Uh, oh, we course. all agree it's shit, and then we can just like have a blast with it. <laughs> oh, ag- um, agree. And I was so pumped because I think sometimes, like, if you're not, if you weren't like um, around in that time period, right? It's easy to watch something like this and then be like, oh, well, this time period itself was like offensive and cruel. But I found I found this quote from a New York Times review at the time that said, "In place of a real story, there is just the spectacle of stock characters being put through their paces to fill up time." Several of those stock characters play upon racial and sexual stereotypes, and a few are drawn along obnoxiously homophobic lines. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it was but, spot on. Yeah, so it was even, yeah, it's, it's also interesting to be like, oh, yeah, it wasn't even, um, like, the, it didn't seem acceptable even in its time period. But yeah, yeah I, I, it, I, yeah. I fully agree um, with that, with what you're saying, Patrick. Yeah, where it's like, yeah, you like, no one would ever be like, no, this is, what they're doing is super dope. Right. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. So I think it's like, yeah, of course it's bad. Let's all let's all enjoy yeah. it about how bad it is. Or like not. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad, Allie. Um, I did want to bring uh, up another review that you mentioned, though. If we're talking ooh, about yes, reviews, please, Can I bring, please, uh, there's a Roger Ebert review that I found. Did you guys oh, see this one? No, oh my no, it God. didn't. <laughs> Roger Ebert. This is just a blurb. But this movie is a real curiosity. It's dead. <laughs> I don't mean it's bad. A lot of bad movies are fairly throbbing with life. Mannequin is dead. The wake lasts an hour, one and a half hours, and then we can leave the theater. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, that is so cruel. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe uh, Roger Ebert had his ears plugged and missed the Academy Award-nominated song. <laughs> Nothing's gonna stop us now. Because that was fun, and there was life in that song. Mm-hmm. Oh, I will say that when I found out that that song is created because of this movie, I love that this movie exists because it's that song so... is so good. And those lyrics, and we can build this world together. Like it's all <laughs> related to the movie Mannequin. <laughs> like, put your hand in my hand, baby. Don't ever look back. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Yes. And I will say something that Ellie and I are discovering as we as we begin this journey is that and there's so many rom-coms that we love, but they pretty much across the board get just eviscerated in reviews. Reviewers oh, do not yes. like rom-coms. Um, I even, that. Even, really, even like the really top, top good ones. Um, but um, yeah, but there were. OK, so we know we know what's wrong with the movie. <laughs> we know what we didn't like. About the movie. Of course. But yeah, 
what 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 did we what did we all like plot wise in the movie? Um, I'll I'll start with a uh, with a one liner that I I had to write it down, and I maybe I'm gonna get it tattooed on my body because I love it so much. <laughs> but um, the stereotypical uh, gay character uh, called Hollywood. Hollywood. Oh yeah. Um, Played by Meshach Taylor. Um, uh, yeah, it's very stereotypical, but w- he had this one line that uh, uh, he was talking to the main character uh, who had just gotten dumped by uh, this girl. And he said, and he was like giving advice about breakups and stuff. And he's like, you know what works best for me? Crying shamelessly. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good line. That's Hollywood. <laughs> that was a good line. Oh gosh. I so I liked that line. Um that was, oh, something else I really liked about the movie, um, or just I thought was kind of fun, um, was when he's um uh when he's building the mannequin, when he's building Emmy, um, I couldn't help but notice that the nipples on the mannequin were so well defined. Yes, they were. Yeah. Did that you was guys insane. notice that? I noticed that. Like as someone who has a mannequin in her room, um, the nipples aren't that defined ever. Why would they be? Um, and I was like, wow, that's good foreshadowing. Yeah. That's Wait, so why? interesting. Oh, because they're gonna be real boobs? Because they're gonna be real boobs. Oh, yeah. okay. I read this article in Jezebel where it was like a local Philadelphian journalist wrote it because they were putting the mannequin from the film on display in the mall. Why? Uh, <laughs> well, there's okay. a fun fact, which is the the mannequins in the movie were actually sculpted for the movie and that Kim Cantrell had to sit for like six weeks straight so the Santa Monica sculptor could sculpt these mannequins to look exactly like her. Holy yes. moly. I think that's my favorite part is that this sculptor is Tanya Wolf Regier. She was sort of like the main character supposed to be. She was like uh, a career sculptor who did a bit of commercial work. Apparently she was like a huge deal and was like high in demand because she was like the best at making mannequins. Uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> An artist so made those nipples. Those are artistic nipples. I will say something that I did really appreciate in the plot because I love when things are like this in rom-coms is the, is James Spader's character trying to oh my God. sell the mall out from uh, Mrs. <laughs> Timkin, who was played by uh, Ma from Golden Girls, Estelle. Yes. Estelle, Estelle Geddes. Yes. So yeah. James Spader is this evil manager trying to sell uh, Estelle Geddes mall out from under her. And, and then I love that uh, the, like all of the other side characters work at, a, like a rival mall that is trying to steal everything. So I do love a good side plot, a good, a good everyone's connected. Yes, I, I love that. Can we talk for about James Spader for a second? Because yes. he is doing a lot in this movie. <laughs> He's he doing is, so much. I I was like, I am watching an actor work right now. He's working his <laughs> ass off. Like he's yes. working so hard. <laughs> to, yes, to make this role something, his character choices were yes. were specific. Yeah. His side part was sharp. <laughs> it was so clean. And uh, and I looked it up. I, I, I loved mean, he his was, vocal quality in it too. 
Yeah, yeah it was. Um, well, it. actually, listen. Um, yeah. here's the thing. Um, listen, listen Beach, Beachers, Beach, Beach. Listen, Beach. Do you have a Beach? Beach. Do you, are you there, Beach? <laughs> well, um, I'm not turning away Harvard's graduates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I looked it up. He was born in 1960, and this movie was shot in 1987. Because I kept watching it, being like, to me, James Spader has been 40 since he was born. So yeah. like, this is the youngest I've ever seen him because I haven't seen a lot of 80s James Spader stuff. I haven't seen Less Than Zero or anything like that. Um, but he he's 26 or 27 in this movie, which is crazy Whoa. to think about. Whoa. Also weird to cast a 26 or 27-year-old because I bet he was the same age as Andrew McCarthy, like very that, similarly. Oh, yeah. Well, they've been in so many movies together. Oh, like wow. they were... They were both in Pretty and Pink together. They were both in Less Than Zero together. And um, James Spader and Andrew are now both in The Blacklist together, which is really they sweet. Oh, that yeah. is so cute. That makes Obviously, me so happy. James Spader is like the main guy, but Andrew like comes on for a little bit. And uh, Andrew also like out. directs <laughs> everybody out <laughs> with his twinkly blue eyes. Um, <laughs> He also directs a lot of the blacklist as well. So it's really sweet because I think they're friends and they like kind of came up together um, and they and they still work together. So um, like a, little, a little friendship right there. That's yeah. that's the true rom-com. Uh, and, and can I just say in terms of their ages, we had a reversal of a casting trope that I absolutely adore when this happens, which is where Andrew McCarthy was. I believe he was this is from movie phone. Uh, I think he was 24 and Kim Cattrall was 30. Love that. Yes, because there's this very bizarre trend in rom-coms where often, because they are, like one of their tropes is that they're often hetero couples. Yeah. And often the the actor cast as the male love interest is often probably between like eight to 10 years older than the Jeez. female one, even if they're playing peers. Because this is, I have tons of friends that are in, that have like large, you know, age differences in their relationships, but it's more of like odds wise, the average age difference in relationships is closer to like one to two years, but it's, it's so consistently the women are cast to be much younger than the men, which I think has like lots of crazy, you know, repercussions as of a result. Course. Yes. Of course. So whenever it's reversed, I'm like, hell yes, casting, you're, you're, doing, you're doing the work and That's I love that. Great. That is yeah. great. I mean, there was part of me that kept being like, like, she, why, look, I guess she's a mannequin, but it's like, him? <laughs> Sorry, this is my Andrew McCarthy hatred. I'm like, there's, it's so crazy that she's gone through thousands of years and she's settled on this guy. That is such a good point, because she, listeners, you may not know this if you haven't seen it, but in the movie it's revealed she has dated Christopher Columbus. Yes. Um, and not Michelangelo. Michelangelo was not interested in her. But, no, uh, yes, no right. Michelangelo was dating uh, someone named David. David, was, yes. Oh, is that a reference to the singer. statue of David that he built? <laughs> yes. I think so. Okay, so, but isn't that, that's a biblical character. It's fine. I guess it's, I guess I shouldn't think too much about it. <laughs> oh my uh, God. Never mind. Um, uh, yeah, so so she she could literally pick anyone from any time. Yes, and she picks this down and out sculptor. Yeah, switcher. Uh, switcher <laughs> switcher <laughs> it was interesting it was very interesting to me i would say the the wildest thing for me i had a, a one little note that i love when poor people in movies have motorcycles i think that's hilarious that like yes. when somebody, <laughs> i guess motorcycles can be cheap but i'm like you can't afford a motorcycle i think that's really funny 
Yes, um, and that is that is one of uh, that is a surprising maybe like lesser lesser known rom com trope is quirky quirky modes of transportation. Really, so, and always yes. ride motorcycles. Always yes. how to lose a guy in ten days? Matthew McConaughey rides a motorcycle. Wow, yes. wow! Uh, I didn't know this. Amelie, she's on a Vespa. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. They love they love the quirky modes of transportation. Wow! And then I want to talk about the security guard as well. Oh my <laughs> oh, god! Yes, good, good. <laughs> this guy was wild. I felt so bad for him. I don't know what's going on in his life. <laughs> I hate to just keep shitting on it, but it was like definitely was like a a mis a, like a sort of a crude handling of PTSD. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everyone's like mad at him for like having hard experiences in the war. Um, yeah, but, uh, not very but, kind to veterans. No, no. <laughs> surprise! This movie wasn't kind to veterans. No, but that was I. I couldn't understand. At one point, the security card is trying to beat, uh, beat Andrew McCarthy's character, and I could not figure out what happened. That why he was trying to beat him up. <laughs> oh yeah, he just started <laughs> punching him. <laughs> Yeah, it's like he does find him rolling around. The mannequin can only be a human when she's alone with uh, Switcher. So when the the security guard comes in, it looks like he's just rolling around with the mannequin. But then he just goes into this like big. He wants to beat him up, and I was like, "How did we get here?" Yeah, he starts punching him in the face multiple times. It was yeah. really wild. And then there's that scene where he's like, "I'll find Switcher." And then Switcher and the mannequin do a million crazy things on all of the floors in the open. And he can't find them. <laughs> like, yes. where, is, where is he looking? It's so bizarre. I, I did like his dog. And I did like that he kept saying it was for his dog. Something I liked about this movie was like, uh, very silly, but they really like, they used the department store really well. Like yes. there were so many fun, like, um, like displays that were toppled over, like in the fun chase scene, racks of clothes are being pushed aside. Yes. Jewelry cases are being smashed. Yeah. Um, Their little cruise ship scene where they kind of felt like they were on a cruise. I mean, I related to that. That was really wonderful. <laughs> and like fun fact was the department store they used for Prince and Company is an actual department store in Philadelphia uh, that used to be called John Wanamaker's, but now is a Macy's. Oh, Hell yeah. Okay. I have a um, gift card there. Damn, I, oh. I wish I knew that when I was watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I could have been shopping. And, and can I say, the, the time that I really did laugh in this movie was when um, after, after uh, Emmy is saved from the mannequin shredder, and uh, it just turned back into a human and is kissing Andrew McCarthy's character. The um, operator, the man who operates the mannequin shredder machine, starts uh, arbitrarily kissing the mannequins to see if he can wake <laughs> one up too. And that did, I did laugh at that. That was very funny. <laughs> that did that catch was me off. Very funny. But did you notice at the very end, we focused on him for a long time? Yes. <laughs> yes. That was, yes. Yeah. That was a long time. That was a long wide on him sleeping up. That could have been tightened up a bit. Yeah, because I, I know there's a mannequin sequel. And so I was like, is it about him? And do we set up the sequel <laughs> no. there? No, I it's would, not about him. I would like that movie. I'll tell you that. Let's much. um, uh, let's talk about some of the tropes, uh, rom-com tropes we saw in this movie. There were quite a few. Um, 
Uh, I'll start off with saying that uh, the movie ended, spoilers, uh, with uh, Emmy and Jonathan getting married in uh, a window display. Very cute. Um, So ended ended in a wedding check. Um, Yes. There is a spontaneous dance montage. Yes. Uh, there was a clothes trying on montage. Yes. yes. Uh, there was a quirky mode of transportation, a motorcycle, a yes. jealous and one-dimensional ex. Yes. Roxy <laughs> uh, <laughs> got a bad and edit, there, and that's all I'll say. <laughs> she did get a bad edit. And <laughs> there was a uh, sassy and, um, in parentheses, often problematic, best friend yes Yes. hollywood Um, hollywood yes so that 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 puts us at six and then we'll hit the other rom-com uh couples are often straight white heteronormative couples so that puts us at seven uh can i can i offer up a trope is i don't know if you guys have so i think a trope that you guys could add if you're interested is maybe like the near kiss i feel like every movie has like a near kiss that is so true. Yeah, when you think it's going to happen, it, yeah, we saw that in She's All That and Hitch. Yeah. Um, and the movie. Which, to me, have you guys ever had any near kisses in your life? No. Yeah. <laughs> I have, actually. Yeah, now that <laughs> I say that, I have. Oh, yeah, oh, Patrick, tell us a story. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so this is, sounds so Southern. So I'm originally from Texas, but when I was in high school in Texas, I was walking with... um this girl on the, the train tracks. <laughs> oh, no. Not as hot. I love it. It's so hot and rural. <laughs> and uh, it's this girl that I did, um, like, high school, like, speech and debate with. She was on another team. That is um, so hot. She's so, she was another high school, but we were really good friends. And we were walking around. It was just me and her. And then the train was coming. And <gasps> we got scared. So we actually jumped off the tracks like we found this little ditch under the train tracks and we stood under the train tracks and um uh the train train went went over over us for real oh my god and then uh, two weeks later she texted me going that night uh where we were under the train tracks i should have kissed you then shouldn't i oh my god no she's really saying you should have kissed me i know she was like i should have kissed i was like oh (laughs) i also didn't see, I didn't know I I still have a problem with people when I like okay I have a problem knowing when people are interested in me very much so I think that's a very typical guy thing but I really don't know and I was not aware she is so beautiful and incredible and I was this like dorky dude so I was like this is crazy like I was like oh of course I mean I would I would kiss you all the time <laughs> that's <laughs> I didn't think that was an option like I don't know what <laughs> Um, Zoomer, Zoomer, Patrick, run, oh run and go, <laughs> Zoomer, run now. Never, never mind, Dino. We've got a new childhood sweetheart to save. <laughs> Casey, do I zoom Casey or Dino? Who do I zoom? Casey. <laughs> um, <laughs> was my main concern. Top of yeah. the list. Were you? Did you yeah. want to kiss her though? Did you want to kiss her in that moment? Yeah, I thought she was amazing. Yeah, I thought. Oh well, my gosh, oh, that's fantastic. Oh, okay, well, boy. we're we're definitely adding the near kiss, so that puts us at eight. I would like to maybe put forth for judgment. I don't know. Do you guys, we've covered a lot of Hollywood, but another trope is coworkers are always at your desk asking about your love life. Yeah. And <laughs> I did feel like Hollywood as a coworker, like did kind of fulfill that trope of life. Yes, definitely. He did. Yeah. He did. And he, he was did. so on board when everyone just thought that Andrew McCarthy's character was just like um, pretending to date a mannequin. Everyone was on board or he was on board. Yeah. 
Yeah. I wish that this movie was as chill about um, LGBT uh, Q relationships as it is with mannequin fucking. That's all I'll yes. say. <laughs> yes. Okay, Completely agreed. Okay. And saving grace is I'm happy that they made the main, that they made Andrew McCarthy um, kind of an ally in the film. And well, at least he, at least I would also say at least Hollywood had like a boyfriend. Like at least Hollywood yes. had like a person that he would go to and talk to. And it was, yes. like, you know, it, it was at least a human relationship. Yes, um, and I thought that that actor did a fantastic job. Like he yeah, was, Mishak he Taylor. was a delight. And I want to just reference that. I want to mention that Hollywood uh, comes back in the sequel. I just want to let you guys <gasps> know, Meshach <gasps> Taylor is the only person that comes back. Um, oh my gosh! Because the, the sequel, the sequel is about uh, a department store intern falling in love with a female store mannequin who's really a peasant girl fallen under a thousand year spell. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow! That and Hollywood I... is there again. <laughs> Oh my, oh my god. god. Of course he is. Yeah. So he gets it. And yeah. the the last one I'll put forth for your guys' judgment is uh there is the hot mess best friend. And um ho- there's like an often the trope where the best friend is constantly talking about like their insane relationship. And it mm-hmm. did feel that Hollywood's relationship with Albert, he did reference like it did feel like it was, you know, he's he was the friend that's like, well, my crazy relationship. So I would like to put forth BFF is a mess. Um, do you guys feel that 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 is warranted or, or I second that it. motion. Yeah, Absolutely. I second the motion as well. Amazing. Amazing. So if we have no more to put forth, that puts us at nine. Oh. Wow. Surprisingly low. low. Yeah. Oh, really? It's yeah. low. Yeah. So yeah, we've we're we've sort of been averaging sort of around 20. Really? Wow. Yes. Yeah. This movie had so many like like such a crazy plot. I think because it was dealing with so much wild plot that it had maybe like fewer chance for like tropes and stuff and the relationship was a little bit more atypical yes yeah Yeah. atypical relationship atypical careers um yeah and i will say like it's so interesting right because sometimes you would think a rom-com with more tropes is bad because they're relying too much on formula but this is one of those movies where I'm like, oh, I would have liked more tropes in this movie. And sometimes movies with a ton of tropes are the best because they do three-dimensional and tropes. And that, to me, is just icing on the cake. <laughs> yes. Yeah, if you can have both. Because you want the tropes. The tropes are comfort. The tropes are like yes. the, the check marks of like, oh, yeah, this is what makes this this. Totally, You, know, you want yes. the near kiss. You love a near kiss. I mean, come yes. on. It's my favorite thing. You want someone to work in print media. Yeah, just like in a spy yes. movie, just like you want to see the gadgets. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Okay, folks, it's time to rate this rom-com. So, so Patrick, what we did is we initially made a list of the top five internationally grossing rom-coms of all time to sort of set our blanket top five rom-coms. And each week when we watch a rom-com, we see whether or not uh, we knock one of those off and move the week's rom-com into the much-wanted top five position. Wow. So, yes. So the current standings are the top five rom-coms of PSI Love rom-coms are Pretty Woman, Hitch, She's All That, There's Something About Mary, and My Big Fat Greek Wedding. So Whoa. the question is, <laughs> yes. <laughs> if, if we, <laughs> That's if a we crazy list. <laughs> well, we want to have a cohesion It's, it's going a little wild, point, but. Sorry, uh, I'm sorry. I'm we, sorry. I don't mean to. No, no, no. It's fine, Patrick. No, you're just um, you. shitting on uh, the genre of film I'm that you and I love the most. 
no, just, I've been... I'm just getting my head around what exactly is happening. <laughs> that you have to so tell. Basically... I, that I'm about to say whether or not mannequin is better than my big fat Greek wedding. I didn't know I was going to have to do this. Exactly. We started with an objective. Just who made the most money, and then we're gonna, you know, slowly over time see how it evolves. So if we so choose, we can knock one of those five off and replace it with mannequin. But it has to be a unanimous vote. So we're voting on whether or not it can be in the top five, right? Yes, we're voting on whether or not it sh- any of these other rom-coms deserve to be knocked out. And the rom-coms that we're voting against are Pretty Woman, Hitch, She's All That, There's Something About Mary, and My Big Fat Greek Wedding. <sighs> this is a tough one. And it has to be a unanimous vote. We all have to say, yes, yeah. Mannequin is better than <laughs> Pretty Woman. <laughs> And it comes as no surprise, so I won't hold the suspense any longer. Obviously, my vote is a no for Mannequin. But if anyone wants to convince me, I am absolutely open to argument. Well, mine was actually a hard yes, but since it's unanimous, it doesn't matter. No, so. but that's what I'm saying. I won't tank it. That's no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm being okay, contrarian. Good. I'm saying I won't um, tank it. If, if someone wants to convince me, if you two feel strongly, it should it should, uh, it should, should bump one off. I will, I will absolutely okay. hear it out. Well, I think I think the only one that's vulnerable is my big fat Greek wedding. Um, what? I would say that's the only one that's vulnerable, but I would say that I wouldn't uh, make a fight. I mean, what does mannequin have that my big fat Greek wedding doesn't? Mystique, magic. I mean, that's great. If you're looking for magic, you're not going to sit down and watch my big fat Greek wedding. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Well, because Greek wedding is a great rom com. Yeah, there's. But does it have ancient magic? No, but it's no. <laughs> it has the magic of Windex. Okay. 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 What okay. I will say, Patrick, is many a guest has tried to convince Allie and I to kick my big fat Greek wedding off that list, <laughs> and we just won't do it. <laughs> it is classic, and it is good. It is an indie darling that you know has proven strong over the years. I love that movie, and I'm not joking. Yes. Around. I think it's incredible. Oh, I connect to it so much. I come. Half uh, half my family is Puerto Rican, and as a young as a young lady growing up, and I saw this movie, and I said, "Oh, I I know what I know what you're talking about a little bit. You're <laughs> it's, you're not Puerto Rican, but I feel similarly sometimes." Yes, that's amazing. And then I think also the the ensembleness of it all is incredible. The acting is so good. It is such a beautiful rom com love story. John Corbett is very good. I think he's a great oh, actor. Love him. And she, didn't she write it? Her, herself she did write writes it. and stars mm-hmm. yeah, in that. Yeah. i mean that and that i i absolutely love uh love a yeah. breakout star who wrote and stars in it well so uh mm, so i'm 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 sensing <laughs> we do like big fat great wedding and uh <laughs> and that we are not feeling strong about mannequin one thing i will say though before we kick mannequin out is that i think Andrew McCarthy's eyes should make it into top five best eyes of all time. Oh, okay. I wow. said it. There we go. Wait, okay. that is a great point, Ali. And I 100% agree that in the top five best eyes list, we will put Mannequin and Andrew McCarthy. Thank you. Is it is it sets of eyes or is it individual eyes? Do both of his eyes take up one spot? <laughs> both of his eyes take up one spot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's not. His he's not like number one. one. Number two. His right eye is spot two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's only two point five spots on the list. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. Uh, well, okay, good. I feel good about that. Okay. I I think it's a blast of a movie, but I don't think that it deserves to be in the top five rom coms. My God. Uh, yes. Agreed, and we and we we all agree it can go in the top top best eyes, top five best eyes. Great, 
I love right. that. That's nice to give it a consolation prize. Yes. All right. We d- we've done our work. And now it's time for reality check. And in this segment, we test out the tropes and plot devices and rom-coms we've just watched to see if they hold up in the real world. Now, usually um, me and I test out the tropes and share our results. Um, most so far have been failures. Um, but this week, our guest, Patrick, will be sharing a unique experience he has had these past three weeks testing out a very popular trope called the Pygmalion rom-com trope. Yes, and for those wow. for those of you who are unfamiliar with the Pygmalion rom-com trope, it is where- I'm unfamiliar with the Pygmalion oh, rom-com trope and I'm just living well, it. Tell me what this people is. People are referencing it all the time and they don't even know it because the, Pyg- the Pygmalion rom-com trope, it's based off of a myth and it's where an artist falls in love with his or her creation. So we've, yes, oh, yes, we've seen yes. this trope being played out in movies like She's All That, My Fair Lady, and Ruby Sparks, and in our guests, Real Live. Yes, is it true, Patrick? Can an artist fall in love with his or her own work? Okay, so this is, I need a little backstory here. <laughs> so uh, uh, if you follow me on Instagram, <laughs> at Patrick, 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 four Patricks, <laughs> not three, three is someone else. Um, uh, if you follow me there, uh, I have been experiencing something since I have been self-quarantined, which is I... Uh, have basically been locked in my apartment with a mannequin, uh, <laughs> which is why I'm talking about mannequin. This is why I'm an expert in the field today. Um, uh, I ha- bought a mannequin that I was going to use for a sketch show. The sketch show got canceled. And then uh, I was in my room with this mannequin every single day. Uh, I quickly named her Karanda. Um, and Karanda and I uh, started what was called the Karanda Chronicles. There's a theme song. People have made fan art. They've done covers of the theme song. It's gotten crazy. Uh, it's gotten really. An article was written about you in Travel and Leisure magazine. <laughs> I, know. I know. I know. When I was a kid, that was my only goal to be written about in Travel and Leisure. Um, it was shocking. And what's crazy about that article is that I wasn't asked if for an interview they just were like we wrote an article can we get a photo and i was like here's a photo and they posted the article an hour later oh my <laughs> god tell me. i don't know what was it was happening fast. oh my gosh this <gasps> happened it's, really fast. that is a rom-com trope someone secretly writing an expose about you that he- <gasps> really yes, that's one of my favorite tropes that's one of my favorite oh my tropes gosh. patrick oh zoom, gosh. Her. So, zoom her zoom her i gotta <laughs> never mind Amanda Casey. Ogle. oh my gosh Amanda! Uh, sorry, Casey. Sorry, Dinah. <laughs> I'm going to have, at least I um, thank God I have an iPhone, an iPad, and uh, an iMac. I can just zoom in three zoom different parts all. of my house with three loves of my life. Um, so Karanda and I, slowly it became like a thing where I we do a different thing every day. So we did a St. Patrick's Day uh, crawl, and then I signed her up for a dating app. I signed her up for Tinder, and I got blocked <gasps> an hour later. Um, oh, that's why you're. But blocked. I've been doing all these things with her. Yeah, that's why I'm blocked because I I signed up a mannequin and they said I was fake. Oh my god, which is so rude. Um, but my Karan and I, it's a whole thing. It's like really insane that we've been like uh, together for so long uh, because there is this. It's just this constant. Like I change her and I put her in these positions, and sometimes it's like a buddy thing. Sometimes it's a little rom commy. There's a couple moments where it like looks a little romantic, but it's never romantic because I always remind you that she's not real. And so my thing about living out this trope, uh, the Pygmalion effect, is I don't believe that it makes you fall in love with something that you create. <laughs> it, it it does not feel like love on my side. <laughs> um, changing Karana's clothes feels like I'm her caretaker. <laughs> um, like having to like button someone else's pants 
as they are completely still and lifeless. I mean, it's not a someone, it's a mannequin, but it, it makes me feel like sad in a way <laughs> that I'm like, I'm not like, I wish you were real. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, this is, this is a bummer to have to like put on someone else's clothes. Yeah. I, I think that the, the real true thing about like, when you create something that you're kind of giving sentience that doesn't actually have sentience is that it's truly a reflection of kind of how you see yourself. So I found myself a lot. It's been a good lesson in self-confidence because I find myself a lot making her a boss and making her mean to me <laughs> and making her diss me and making her like, like, like have something else that she's interested in. And then I'm like, wait, this person isn't real. And why did I make like this person who isn't real, like the main character in my story? <gasps> Um, and why like are you letting realize, this character be so mean to you? <laughs> yes, exactly. So I think anybody who has the Pygmalion effect where they're like fall in love with their creation, they're actually sociopaths who are very egotistical. Narcissistic. So yeah. I think yes. narcissistic. Yeah. Cause they're putting themselves into something and then they love themselves. So yes. I would say like, like even pretty woman is like, definitely it's an arrogance of like Richard Gere being like, I can fix someone. This is my creation. I love her. Yes. Right? Or like, uh, this guy, certainly, I think, um, I think we got a lot of problems with switcher. I think switcher has yes. some serious mental health problems. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I would say. I'd say the trope doesn't hold up. Yeah. And this movie absolutely has the Pygmalion trope. So I got, well, that brings us up to 10 with the movie. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. The yeah, classic, yeah. the classic fall that's in love true. with your that's creation. That's the biggest trope of all. Taming the shoes like that too. Yes. So maybe the first Pygmalion effect. Yes. Ten, ten yeah. things I hate about you based on it. Yeah. It's, you yes, see it yes. everywhere. It's honestly, now that we're talking about it, a little disturbing how often it comes up in rom-coms, but you heard it here first folks. Uh, that's a, that's a no, <laughs> that's a no on reality check for, for, <laughs> for Pygmalion. No. Um, well, Patrick, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, do you have any social oh, media? Oh, thank you for having me. Yes. Do you have any uh, social media things to promote or important romance advice for our listeners? Oh, my gosh. Um, okay. So social media, you can follow me on Instagram at Patrick, 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 Patrick. <laughs> um, uh, the Caronda Chronicles. Uh, I did one a day for 21 days. Oh, my God. They're very so funny. You can, very, very funny. <laughs> it quickly became a full sitcom. <laughs> Uh, you can also find them on YouTube if you Google the Coronda Chronicles. Coronda is spelled C-O-R-O-N-D-A. Um, it was Ronda, R-H-O-N-D-A, but we dropped it to be a little smoother. Um, and then uh, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Patrick McDonald with an O instead of, uh, or a zero instead of the O. Um, and then love advice. Gosh. Um, I would say love advice in a quarantine. We can just do something very specific. I would say uh, allow yourself to... Uh, Try to try to be present with someone. I think if you're chatting, um, don't have another window open. That's all I would say. Be present. Be fully present with someone. Don't look at another screen while you're also on uh, a screen with someone who's talking. Anyways, that's oh, it. Oh, I love that. That's, that's good advice. advice. Yeah, that's excellent advice for people in and out of relationships. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We have a new episode out every week. And remember to subscribe and rate. This was brought to you by Campfire Media. Oh, and P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Rom 
name is Will Himes, and I am a ghostwriter, meaning I write other people's books for them. And I have a podcast called I Will Write Your Book, which are recordings of my meetings with my eccentric clients, such as a woman blocked after one sentence of a children's book about her dogs, a romance novelist who dislikes sex, and a man proud of having sampled everything in his local grocery store. This podcast has been described as fully improvised, played by some of the best comedians on the planet Earth. Hey, that's pretty good. That's I Will Write Your Book on Campfire Media. Campfire.